When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week we are recapping Season 2, Episode 10, The Bracebridge Dinner, also known as Suzanne's favorite episode. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the episode description for this one is... While Rory struggles to keep the budding rivalry between Dean and Jess under control, Lorelai invites most of Stars Hollow to an elaborate feast. Woohoo! I know, I'm so excited to talk about this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and not just point out inaccuracies the whole time because I still enjoy it, even though there's not a single accurate thing in there. I like that spirit. You're not quite like uh, Paris where she tells Lorelai, like, did you notice all the anachronisms? It really broke the effect or whatever. It's like, yeah. yes, they, they are definitely there and we can point them out. But it's still a lovely episode overall. Yeah. Uh, Paris. And like we predicted last week, we are currently at the start of our summer break now recapping an episode at mm-hmm. the start of... <laughs> Rory's winter break it's like we started the podcast aligned with the season you know but it's we've come like so far around now we we're through a second fall already yeah (laughs) maybe when we start episode three or season three we'll be in fall again yeah but we also have to see there were only a couple episodes this season that were in fall because we had those weird summer episodes that were just like oddly placed but Yeah, totally. The seasons have been off for this one, it feels like. Yeah. Should we do our talking fast so that we can get into the meat of things? I think so. Are you prepared to go first? (laughs) Um, Yes. Okay. Ready, set, go. There's a snow person building contest, um, and then there also is a Bracebridge dinner, which is the bulk of the episode. Uh, Pretty much everyone in town, including Richard and Emily, go. Richard and Emily are also having their relationship struggles, but he's happier now. It turns out he retired, and they kind of argue about that, but then he apologizes for everything, and they make up. Meanwhile, there's some interesting stuff developing between Dean and Jess and Rory, and there's also parenting stuff going on, and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. (sighs) This, like... After so many of the episodes recently that have been, like, all over the place, this one was so contained in just, like, one big event, Mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's have you take a turn. Okay. (laughs) On your mark, get set, go. So we start off with the snow person contest. (laughs) One guy has a chainsaw. And then we find out that there's going to be this big, I guess, period dinner um, put on at the Independence Inn. Suki's really excited. And then we also find out that it's canceled um, because the people couldn't get there. So Lorelai decides to put it on for the entire town and invite everybody over. 
Meanwhile, Dean and Jess have been fighting, and Je- Dean is getting very uh, jealous, and Richard and Emily have been fighting. Uh, <laughs> like still... Even for a contained episode, it's a lot to fit in 30 seconds. Still just got distracted with that chainsaw stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's slow down. <laughs> yeah. The cold open was fittingly a cold scene of mm-hmm. this, like, snow contest, and we both gave it time in our 30 seconds. It was just the first <laughs> note I had. So I was like, gotta say it. But it has come up again at the end. It kind of bookends the whole episode. But it's like, hello, we are in winter. And this was my Stars Hollow moment as well. Um, just because it was so fun to see the different kind of snow creations each team was creating. Of course, Rory and Lorelai's is pretty funny. It's a woman that has like an alien looking face and a wig. <laughs> and they're kind of looking over at this like overachiever who is power buffing at one point, And his sculpture just looks like a beautiful carved figure, very realistic. And um, yeah, it's just like very whimsical winter stars hollow humor to kick us off. So that was my stars hollow moment for that reason. Yeah, I loved it. So atmospheric. I couldn't figure out who the guy was, like who the guy was um, carving. I think it might have been Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. It looked like that to me. That's kind of had that Victorian kind of vibe to it. (laughs) As Mm -hmm. nothing else in this episode does, even though supposedly it's in the 19th century. (laughs) We will get there. (laughs) So after the credits, um, we find out what's happening for the episode. So we're back at the inn and we are reintroduced to Rune the Loon, who we haven't seen. I think, I mean, maybe we saw him in an episode after that double date one Mm -hmm. where he got a job at the inn. But since then, we haven't seen him, but he's attempting to dust pictures on the walls by jumping and reaching rather than taking the pictures down as Michelle shows him. Mm -hmm. But we find out that there's a huge commotion at the inn um, because there's going to be this big dinner. There's like a, I don't know if they're like a reenactment group. They later on, they say that they're a paper company. So I wondered if it was like a stationary type company or just a, Mm -hmm. like a, the office type of company that had like a a morale building thing or something but yeah either way they seem to have a lot of money because they say they have like their own jet and that they've bought out the whole inn everything is already paid for so whoever they are they're really going all out Mm -hmm. for the Bracebridge dinner yeah which is convenient for the people of Stars Hollow (laughs) we're told that it's 19th century. Again, we'll get into that. And then, yeah. Um, I have my Friday night dinner here. It's kind of a joke Friday night dinner because I love this episode. So I, I mm-hmm. mean, there are things that I could critique, but I don't really want to. So my Friday night dinner is that they are making Jackson Squire brace bit, brace bridge of, of all of the possibilities for like a... I don't know, renaissance type of title or something. They chose Squire, which is literally like the servant to a knight who, yeah. who like carries around his swords and stuff. A squire has no 
standing in society, really. It's like a way for a family to kind of pawn off one of their sons who's not going to make a name for himself or anything Mm -hmm. to kind of get some some experience and yeah (laughs) yeah yet they say he's going to be like presiding over the whole Mm -hmm. thing and you do see him later on it seems very much in a sort of like king or lord role yeah so the fact that he is called squire is like the first clue here that (laughs) this is not really going to be the straightforward like record like 19th century period meal like thing that they've had planned were squires even really still around in the 19th century because i feel like knights it felt more like a title than a role at a certain point you know yeah i i mean you can still be knighted and stuff Mm -hmm. now but yeah i don't think like they don't have the same the same position like they're not expected to be the king's cavalry or something like that so definitely Mm -hmm. not and yeah not in the 19th century either that I feel like kind of died out in like the 16th or 17th centuries (laughs) yeah but you know regardless of that confusion of the title part of the funniness of the scene is Lorelai and Sookie kind of springing this on Jackson who's just there to deliver the mushrooms and he's going through like this whole exhaustive list of mushrooms he and Sookie are which is like a very Paladino thing like they love their lists of items you know but kind of at the end thrown in with this like whole mushroom thing is like oh and by the way you're going to be the Bracebridge Squire and uh, as Lorelai and Sookie like they continue to plan and Jackson just keeps like talking to them like you can't get me to do this and by the end he's like worn down even though they haven't said anything at all and he's like fine I'll do it and it's just very it was comedic and very good yeah the perfect like double teaming act against Mm -hmm. poor jackson (laughs) it wasn't even like good cop bad cop it was just like no cops like they (laughs) just weren't even addressing his things at all and he was like okay fine fine i'll do it (laughs) i think he enjoyed it yeah once it got to it (laughs) but the other thing that also happens in this scene when we're at the inn is we hear from christopher again who we haven't seen since the debutante ball i think which was recent though as far as like christopher appearance goes they're kind of keeping up with the whole he's changed you know yeah yeah so the whole call is about uh christopher wants to see if rory will come and stay with him and sherry for just a couple of days over her break um he's super polite about it he's very like I'm running this by you before I even mention it to Rory so that you can veto it. Like, we have a guest room for her. It's all set up. Like, I thought he did a great, he did a great job. And he's been like, this whole season, I feel like we've seen him being a really good kind of, um, like, really admitting that he is Rory's father who has been absent. And now he has to do all of these things to get on Lorelai's good side. And, like, prove himself responsible as a father. So, yeah, I thought it was good. I know. Wow. It's, I'm like, am I team Christopher right now? No. <laughs> I I wouldn't go so far as to say that. But it is easy to recognize his good qualities right now. Because, yeah, he's just being... I feel like he's going about this the right way. And I can't say the same for Lorelai later on. So, 
Huh. It's yeah. a tricky situation for both of them, I'm sure. But you're right. He was very polite about this request. Um, yeah. Lorelai is kind of like avoiding. for sure. Yeah. She says that she'll agree if Rory agrees. But you can tell that she really doesn't want <laughs> Rory to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Continuing with some threads that we've had the last few episodes, the next scene is a Friday night dinner, and we get a continuation of this Richard in a funk storyline. He's finally back and present, which we hadn't seen in a while, but he's barely present. Like, <laughs> he's there, but it's like a ghost of the Richard we mm-hmm. know and love. You know, he's like barely engaging in the conversation they're not going to be traveling like they usually do Emily says he's like sensitive and reacting to every perceived slight and he's just still not in a good place even though he is home and at the dinner yeah I thought it was interesting that um they've seemed to resolve their own argument like Emily and Richard aren't arguing anymore Richard's just in a grump (laughs) Mm -hmm. and Emily's like attempting to kind of placate him throughout like they don't seem to be actively arguing like they had been previously yeah it feels like the um it feels like there wasn't resolution so much as just like complacency or Mm -hmm. you know like the way I hope if I'm married I'll never have but like the the whole like just letting things go but they're still there. I don't know. Plus, he was traveling so much that I imagine, like, how could she even, like, continue to have that conversation? She probably just tried to let it go as much as she could, even though she was hurt and he was hurt, too. And I don't know. I'm just glad that they finally address everything by the end of the episode. But right here, it's definitely still, like, buried but alive. (laughs) Yeah, and it's uncomfortable for... Lorelai and Rory. Lorelai attempts mm-hmm. to start conversation as usual, and as usual, it's like it fails, falls flat <laughs> mm-hmm. with this audience at least. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't really get any big plot points or anything or conversations during this dinner. We just are reminded that Richard's having a hard time at work. Yeah. And things are going badly for him and Emily, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Joyful. Yeah. <laughs> So then the next day we're back at the inn <laughs> and I love this scene. So Suki is kind of is instructing Rune and Kirk and Jackson and a, a couple of extras who are going to be servers or like part of the kind of theatricality of the Bracebridge dinner. Um, and she's telling them to speak in old English. <laughs> Can you please... For our audience, give a quick little um, definition of what Old English is and then compare it to what Suki seems to think is just like a kind of Cockney accent. I absolutely can. In fact, I've taught a whole class on this. But Old English is a language that's almost unrecognizable to us. There are definitely words that are still in our vocabulary today and we can oftentimes kind of pick up like oh that word sounds like something like this so you can kind of get some definitions but the grammar structure and most of the vocabulary is completely foreign to us now and you can't you can't just read it 
you can't just speak it as learning a foreign language. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it existed in England from the time that some of the Germanic tribes who were kind of nomadic in the north northern area of Germany into like Denmark kind of that area came over to England and displaced all of the Britons in the 500s until the Norman conquest um, at, in 1066 and then it started becoming heavily influenced by French Anglo-Norman and started to turn into Middle English which you can more or less understand it's much closer to modern English. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of the words are weird. The spelling is super weird. And there's a lot more like French and kind of uh, archaic stuff as we would see it today. So Mm -hmm. that's not even what Suki's doing. She's not even doing Middle English. She's Mm -hmm. not even doing Shakespearean English, which is like that is modern English, but just with a different uh, like just a bit more archaisms. She she literally is just doing like a let me do some weird accent and switch some words up here and there. Um it's not not even close to old English and I just love that she's like really adamant about this and everybody's mm-hmm. really going along with this. It's just so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I think it's like how committed she is to this staying in character of the period even if she's got everything about the period wrong i just admire her dedication (laughs) and it's so funny to watch (laughs) it's just like an american obsession with britishness (laughs) kind of Mm -hmm. is like an american obsession with like northern europeanness is what this whole dinner is (laughs) yeah this reminded me of my um high school every year would do like a madrigal dinner which I'm Mm. sure a lot of other places do and you know it ends in like the wassail Um, but nobody at ours was claiming it was old English so that's probably better though I'm sure there are plenty of weird anachronisms going on but it also kind of reminds me about the interest in like old English fairs or renaissance fairs different Mm. things like that like there definitely is a um I feel like that's what they were tapping into here. Like you said, that interest in like folk, not folklore, mythology of a period or something like that, um, where it's just like based on just the faintest (laughs) historical accuracies, really. But it can be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And most people's like perception of the Middle Ages is through fantasy because Mm. it's a period that even like starting in the 19th century was thought of like kind of romanticized and people read all these medieval tales where knights were going on quests and there were monsters and trolls and things and so that's like how what most people think of now and that's Mm -hmm. mostly what like a lot of renaissance fair type stuff is like fantasy yeah Yeah. (laughs) not even I mean, there is stuff like the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronism and stuff like that, where they actually attempt to be somewhat accurate, although often that's also wrapped up with the white supremacist movements. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've already talked 
talked a bit about that. <laughs> it's always worth talking about again, I'm sh- but yeah. <laughs> but here we're just, they're just throwing everything they can possibly think of at the walls. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, despite all of this preparation for the period that they're kind of putting together out of their imaginations, we learn at the end of the scene that the Brace Bridge group has been snowed in. Um, and the kind of dinner's future at that point is up in the air as they're not sure what to do because they can't get the people there. Um, and this like transitions us pretty quickly to a dinner at Luke's later that day where Suki and Lorelai are still discussing like they're really sad and they're wondering what they should do, what the fate of the dinner is going to be as a result yeah, I almost had a Lorelai's closet in this scene for Rory's super comfy looking navy blue sweater, but there's something mm. better later on. So, but what does happen at this dinner is first off, Suki suggests that they invite Luke and Jess to the dinner, which kind of snowballs into Lorelai saying, "Let's invite the entire town." Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody can stay at the inn that night because the rooms are all spoken for. And so it's just going to be like a full extravaganza and it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love this idea. It's just like a fairy tale that you would have this entire dinner and in like paid for and you could just invite all of your closest like friends and family. Mm-hmm. It's like so fun. I love the idea. It's like even better than before. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me so much of an episode later on when uh, the dragonfly opens and everybody mm, comes. Mm-hmm. But it's this yeah. whole episode is like one Stars Hollow moment. Just the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. It's yeah. like in a dream. And the aesthetic, even though it's different than the usual Stars Hollow aesthetic and it's not quite, you know, I'm not sure what aesthetic it is. <laughs> the time period they're putting on it is fuzzy but either way the ending result is very like put together kind Mm -hmm. of like a capsule you know I think episodes if sometimes like tv can be called like isn't it like a capsule episode where it all happens in like one day or one place oh Uh, yeah I might be getting forgetting but it feels a bit like that like this is almost like a little gift to unwrap Mm -hmm. this episode is it's very of itself in a way yeah we get to see all these characters who we don't always see interacting we get to see them Mm -hmm. all together it's fun (laughs) uh so as you said they have decided to invite everyone and it's worth noting that they start with luke and jess as you said and luke is at the end he's like well i haven't agreed to go yet so i don't know why you're asking (laughs) me to be a messenger for this and lorelei just looks at him and it's not quite puppy dog eyes. It's more subtle than that. But he like immediately agrees to go after that. And she's going to do something similar later on too. But it's just interesting to see how they're kind of developing their flirtatious relationship at this point in the season. Uh, we saw recently that they kind of focused on them as like friends and supportive mm-hmm. sort of partners in a way. This episode was definitely going for that but also a bit more of like the open sort of like flirtation I thought as well (laughs) still keeping the smolders lit for that slow burn (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) but after this we get a quick scene um, which is after school at stars hollow high 
so we yeah, haven't, we haven't been, been, at been there in a while yeah <laughs> and we see lane and dean um walking together out of school which we don't we've never really seen them together either except for that yeah, one except time for that. <laughs> yeah i almost wish we had more scenes with them yeah yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, even if it would be all about like him and Rory, it still would be interesting to see them because those two only interact with Rory practically. Mm-hmm. So it'd just be cool to see a different pairing too. Yeah, and that's so like accurate to real life. Like, a best friend is often kind of like ended up ends up in situations with the friend's boyfriend or whatever having to have weird conversations (laughs) but this time they're talking about whether they're going to the dinner lane is hoping that she can get her mom not to come but the scene then kind of turns into dean seeing jess in the middle of a fight with some other guy and dean of course has to just walk right in try and get jess out of it and jess like starts pummeling dean because Uh (laughs) he never announced himself like he just pulled he didn't even pull Jess off of the guy he just like tried to go in 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 the middle of them I don't know it seemed Mm -hmm. like a very ineffective fight breakup (laughs) I I don't know see like I kind of thought I I felt like I was with Dean here at this moment of, like, he just saw these two guys fighting and wanted to break it up. I feel like just out of the the kindness of his heart or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he even thought much about it being Jess yet at this point. Um, And the whole, like, he does go to stand. I almost feel like his height is of, like, a a good thing here because he's just trying to, like, push them away. And then he's just totally caught off guard when Jess starts to, like, swing at him, too. Because he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, (laughs) I'm just trying to, like, I don't know, keep people from hurting each other or getting in trouble. I don't really know what his motives were. So this is definitely the beginning, though, of that antagonism. Because Dean is, like, immediately very angry (laughs) at Jess for doing this. And Jess is, like, doing his whole defensive thing of like I didn't need your help I didn't ask for it which is true of course and we don't know why they're fighting in the first place um so like I don't know but Dean looks very mad at the end of the scene and it's like yep it's beginning (laughs) yeah this isn't gonna go well I kind of got the feeling that Dean also thought that they were kind of friends maybe through having Rory as a mutual friend Mm because the way he talked to Jess like after he broke it up he's like you saw it was me why'd you keep hitting and I kind of yeah that seems like something you'd only say if you thought that it being Dean would stop Jess like that they're (laughs) friends yeah and then for Jess to be like well I had momentum (laughs) (laughs) and at the end he like taps Dean on the shoulder kind of like Mm -hmm. I didn't need your help buddy or whatever and yeah definitely (laughs) if there's any potential friendship there it's it's on the ground in the snow (laughs) yeah oh Jess I mean you are right Dean was in the right here but (laughs) I don't love being the one to have to say it but (laughs) yeah sometimes he is he might he might be boring but sometimes he is decent (laughs) yeah that's enough of that (laughs) But anyways, that's all we get from this scene. It's just mm-hmm. kind of setting things up for later. Yeah. And then we get 
a really fun scene back at home with Lorelai and Rory. And Rory starts looking through Christmas cards, um, which leads to some hilarious baby mocking. Yeah. Which I would say is mean, but there are there are truly some babies that just look so strange. <laughs> They're just not fully formed yet at a certain age. So they should not be put on a card before they're at the more human stage Mm -hmm. of life. (laughs) And it shouldn't be like a close-up photograph, you know. No, like it was in this scene, which is really funny. And they're like, don't they know we're unapologetic mockers? Like they shouldn't send us these cards, which was pretty funny. And I guess I don't always think of them as being like mockers or people who make fun of people. But I feel like that has come up before and it does come up in like a critique of the revival is how Mm -hmm. like bad it is when they make fun of like they like have fat phobia in their comments of making fun of people in the revival specifically. So I'm like, maybe this was just a part I had like blurred over. And it's like when it's in good taste, like it's funny here about like little ugly babies. Nobody's hurt, you know, but like I guess it is laying the foundation for what comes later when like their comments are in bad taste i don't know yeah i think we talked a little bit about it when they were making fun of the bnbers and just like kind of acting like so above everything which i I think is part of versus them yeah and i feel like whoever they declare to be them (laughs) yeah exactly i feel like that's part of really where they like go over the line in the revival especially anywho yeah the the major thing we learn in this scene is that, uh, like, Rory comes across Sherry and Christopher's card, and it's, like, a picture of them and their dog. And what's more so important here is what is not said. <laughs> it's the fact that Lorelai doesn't bring up that Christopher called and asked Rory to come stay. And so we, like, learn, you know, she hasn't said anything about this. It's been a day or two since. Um, and this is going to be a major kind of conflict later on in the episode too yeah that could have been a friday night dinner moment lorelei just not saying anything yeah i really thought about placing that critique here or also like later on when she is like defending and explaining herself but i picked something else actually because i figured like we'll talk about that enough (laughs) yeah that's true we also in this scene rory suggests that they invite richard and emily which she she just like loves her grandparents so much and I like I that. Know. <laughs> she that's what I wrote too. I was like she's so thoughtful. She just wants them to be happy mm-hmm. and like Lorelai kind of questions why and later on she like kind of makes fun of Richard for being like obviously happy again and I'm just like Rory's just so like kind-hearted and caring for her grandparents and it's just such a good quality that she has in these early seasons. It's like something I really admire her in her character that I want to see if it continues. Perhaps if she loses it, is that one reason like people like her less later on? I don't mm-hmm. know. But I thought this was really sweet of her. Yeah, I even thought it was like a good thing for Lorelai as well. Like Rory's giving her gra- grandparents an opportunity to feel proud of Lorelai and like see something she's doing really well yeah totally (laughs) it's like bringing the family together 
in Lorelai's world where she's like successful and whatnot. So it's only like a recipe for success, ideally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> so next, we're at the Bracebridge dinner. This is going to be the rest of the episode, and it's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have my Stars Hollow moment in this opening of the dinner when everybody starts showing up and you just get to see like all these different characters doing their little bits um Babette and Maury show up and Maury goes on about how he hates being early because it ruins his street cred (laughs) and then Mrs. Kim shows up Lorelai asks her like where's her luggage and she said she goes on this whole thing about how people have too much stuff Mm -hmm. um It was just a great, like, little showcase of the town characters, I thought. Yeah. I felt like the whole Bracebridge dinner had a lot of vignettes for character Mm -hmm. moments, like, here with the arrivals, and then later on the sleigh rides, and then actually at the dinner, and I thought it was really successful. And I was pulling through, like, plot and character develop, like, relationship development, but also, like bits and pieces of just humor there for different like Miss Patty or Kirk (laughs) moments and whatnot. It was just really well done overall. But I wanted to place my Friday night dinner critique or more so like a defense. I don't know. Um, It's related to Paris arriving actually. And this is the second time Paris has come up earlier. Uh, They were talking about how it's winter break, but Rory was explaining that Paris still... Um, is being like really intense about the paper and wants her to be doing like work and edits over the winter break and Lorelai asks like does Paris ever sleep and Rory says um let's see she she makes a comment that was like oh sometimes she makes a worrying noise and shuts (laughs) down like implying she's kind of like a robot or a computer and then here, you know, Paris arrives at the Bracebridge dinner because apparently she couldn't wait to give Rory these like um, articles that need to be edited for the new issue that will go out when they get back. And Lorelai is kind of like, why does she have to do this right now? Is she a robot? Um, and I just wanted to like, and it, this becomes clear as Rory kind of approaches her and they talk and Paris uh, gives her all this work. And then Rory's like, do you have any plans? Like kind of takes sympathy on her and asks her to join in the dinner because Paris is like, my parents are out of town. I would be staying like my Portuguese nanny is home and well, I'll either read the Iliad for the third time or I'll play Monopoly. And I just want, I guess my, it's not so much a critique as a defense to like amplify, but I do feel like the show is aware of here what they're setting up, but like make it a bit louder. It's like, (laughs) she's not like a robot, you know, she's like, lonely (laughs) deeply lonely and I feel like her intensity is often just her reaching out to like mask the pain and loneliness that she goes through like it's probably not that she really needs Rory to do these edits right now or that she needs her to do it that night but she like had nothing going on and she probably just wanted to talk to Rory but didn't want to say so much and when Rory invites her, she's immediately defensive, like, no, I have stuff going on, but she accepts, you know, and it's just like, I want them to have so much sympathy and compassion for Paris, and Rory does see that in her, and like, extends that hand in this moment, and overall, it just makes me like, excited to see where they go with the character of Paris, and they go great places, but I'm like, they could even do so much 
more like I even more of her point of view here could be really like cool and nuanced to add but I just like she's not a robot she's just so lonely (laughs) and like um the last thing I would say is like they have the moment to give Jess this thing of like I have to be here because my mom didn't like want me she didn't call or whatever and it's like Paris could have had that moment too of like it's winter break and her parents are gone you know and she only has her nanny who seems to be like the only figure in her life it's like that's really that's really sad you know and they kind of extend that lens but not entirely so I'm like I'm just like amplifying justice for Paris here (laughs) yeah I I agree 100 percent poor Paris yeah she just she does just use like work as a mechanism to socialize yeah and <laughs> which, to survive. yeah which is totally understandable and the only time we've we've met her mom like briefly in that parent teacher or bring your parents to school day or something and she was terrible to Paris and then we heard that they were having like a messy divorce and so everybody was kind of ostracizing Paris and then we haven't seen her parents since then it's just been her nanny who seems to be a great person, but it's different, you know? It's like, this is somebody hired to take care of you rather than actual, like, actually having your parents there or something, so. And, I don't know, Madeline and Louise are probably with their families, so. Poor Paris. But at least she's included at the dinner. Yeah, and she <laughs> seems to have fun. Like, even mm-hmm. even though things are inaccurate, she seems to be enjoying herself. Yeah. Even though they sat her between Miss Patty and Taylor, which I yeah. thought was like, couldn't you put her next to Rory, someone she actually knows? <laughs> I feel like she could have a lot to talk about with Taylor. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> she later Paris, like college aged Paris, I think would love Miss Patty. But I don't know mm-hmm. about this aged Paris. No. <laughs> <laughs> so after Paris shows up, we get Dean, who brings his little sister Clara. And yeah, she's so annoying. (laughs) She had so many lines this episode too. It was like, my God. (laughs) They were all just like, I don't don't know, stupid lines. (laughs) Like they just wanted her to be there to get in between Dean and Rory so that Rory and Jess could have scenes together. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely uh, does keep them apart. (laughs) But Jess, Jess and Luke, I guess, have shown up kind of at the same time. So we get a little bit of a weird interaction where Dean looks back and sees Jess and he's like, I can't stand that guy and talks, tells Rory about the fight. There, I had my uh, my Jess sass attack in that because it's so subtle. But Dean is like calling Jess a jerk as he looks over his shoulder to see Jess and just like waves at Rory in this moment, or maybe at both of them, but it's definitely like to get under Dean's skin, you know. And the way he waves is so I'll just go back and watch it. It's just like an open <laughs> fist kind of. It's not like a full on wave. It's just so it's the sassiest wave I've ever seen. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, he's great at just like giving a look or something that sends Dean off the rails. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Especially this. I mean, I feel like, yeah, this episode's really building up to something. We interrupt this episode with a message from our sponsor. Hear ye, hear ye. 
Once again, our little hamlet of Stars Hollow will be graced by the Bracebridge Dinner. Our hearts, they with utter delight choke. Travel back in time with the staff of the Dragonfly Inn to the 19th century. Or is it the 16th century? Or maybe the 7th? Who knoweth? But we do know the old shindig is back with the same heads under the helm as the legendary dinner at the Independence Inn all those years ago. Join Squire, yes, he's only a squire, Bracebridge for a meal of special magnificence. Mincemeat pies, butternut squash soup, peacock roast. Yes, we know that sounds very expensive and a little bit strange for a dinner based roughly on Renaissance England or Germany, maybe the Netherlands. Who knoweth? <laughs> but one thing you don't want to know is what that stuff is in your soup. For listeners of Talking Fast, there's a special treat in store. Mention the podcast to the veritable host of the evening, and you'll get first dibs at the good horses for a jaunt around the picturesque Stars Hollow Square in a sleigh. Sadly, the podcast cannot guarantee you a view that does not include a horse's butt. In fact, we can absolutely guarantee that you will see a horse, Heine. So come join a truly Stars Hollow event, and who knoweth, you might just find yourself on a romantic sleigh ride with your slow burn crush or canoodling on the couch at midnight. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And the last of the arrivals are Emily and Richard, and Richard is notably a lot cheerier. And Emily's like, he's been like this for two days, but I have no idea why. And this will be continued yeah. <laughs> as the dinner goes on. <laughs> I also had my Lorelai's closet for Emily's outfit here. Mm. It's like her normal kind of... Uh, suit type thing um but it's all black and then it has like gold shimmery lining on the lapel and around the collar and like some like gold probably not sequins because emily would never wear sequins (laughs) but like i don't know decorations of some sort like rhinestones or actual jewels (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, any of the descriptions i would say sound cheap that (laughs) emily would not but it looks so good (laughs) And, like, the gold just looks great on her. It brings mm-hmm. out her coloring, and the black contrast is just so cool. I loved it. Yeah, like, her and Richard look so energized from the mm-hmm. minute they enter at this point. It's, like, youthful in a way, honestly. And I thought she looked great. <laughs> yeah. The second portion of the race bridge dinner kind of kicks off at this point everyone gathers and Lorelai's like thank you for coming um the surprise I have for you before the dinner is a sleigh ride around town which is just such a fun idea and it also puts in place a wonderful sort of plot device in which two people can fit per sleigh so what are the pairings going to be and of course um the first one is you know, Lorelai sitting there 
after Luke and Jess have both said to each other, there's no way I'm going to get on a sleigh ride. This is like dumb, basically. But Lorelai calls Luke over with that really convincing look she has. And even though he's like, I was just here to look at the horses, he has to agree to join her. And this is like the first of three rides that have like notable character pairings and sort of conversations going on, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think Luke was hoping she would ask him. Like he was standing so yeah. conveniently close, Why? in his coat and everything, he was ready to go. Why else would he come out? He was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he hops in with Lorelai, and I noted that they did go past Le Chat Club, which we oh, haven't nice. seen. That's a good detail. Yeah. The continuity is on point for that. Yeah. This episode, at for least. Once. Um, but Lorelai remarks on how beautiful the town looks, which is so true. It's got like the fairy lights everywhere and snow and it's, we know that Lorelai loves snow. So it's just a magical, uh, place to be. Mm -hmm. The conversation that I really noted, I mean, they do have a conversation about horse butts, but (laughs) the one I found really important was when Lorelai asked how Luke and Jess are. And Luke says they're great and that he's discovered the secret of parenting. <laughs> a couple months yeah. in, you know. <laughs> Which is to visualize the reality you want and then, if necessary, lie to bring that about. Which I just, like, that's Boy, so Luke. <laughs> yeah. And we also find out that um, the, the example that Luke uses for this is Jess's mom never called to ask him home for winter break um and so Luke told Jess that you know his mom had called but really he thought it would be a better idea for Jess to stay in Stars Hollow since he was just getting used to things and Luke really thought that Jess bought it (laughs) Lorelai in her all-knowingness just kind of looks off for a couple seconds and is like he didn't buy it he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows. Yeah. <laughs> Which was sad. It's just a, like a sad, sad thought. But I feel like in this instance also I see why Luke lied and I kind of feel like I might have done the same thing if I was in that position. And even if it's sad, I feel like just understanding that Luke lied to him and why to like spare his feelings maybe leads just to like realize the level of feelings Luke has for him at this point because I thought I don't know if I think this line thing is necessarily great (laughs) parenting advice but like it does show that Luke is beginning to care for Jess a lot more than I think when Jess first arrived and that this is the length he's willing to go to to spare his feelings and that you know he cares about if Jess is hurt or not um shows their like developing relationship definitely Mm mm-hmm yeah, they do seem to be just more peaceful overall than they were in the first couple episodes that Jess was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the second sleigh ride we have is Emily and Richard, who are just like flirting it up, man. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, like Richard, uh, well, first Emily is like complaining about the sleigh ride, even though she's clearly enjoying it, but she's, you know, saying it's going to mess up my hair. And he's like, 
not as much as this. And then he messes up her hair and they talk about it. It's like on a roller coaster. Clearly it's not, but you know, they're living their lives (laughs) and they joke about going to Coney Island. She's like, you must've done that with your other wife. And just a lot of little things where they're just seeming so much happier and lighter together than they had previously. Um, Knowing how the episode you know, knowing what happens, it's like you don't even sense the fight coming quite mm-hmm. yet or the revelation of why he's happy at this point. It's just so sweet. And, you know, hindsight means it's like looming over. But for now, it's like lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. I think mm-hmm. my one note for this was just like they are adorable. <laughs> They're yeah. one of the, the best couples, I think. Totally. Um, The next ride so rory's all set to go by herself and yeah yeah. because clara like clara clara has like tugged on dean's hand and was like we need to go together and yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah that's all yeah (laughs) clara but actually it's for the best because it is fortuitous yeah (laughs) who jumps in but jess um at first rory's really annoyed with him mostly because of the uh, fight that he had with Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Jess starts to explain the exact same thing that we just heard Luke talking about, like um, that he knows his mom didn't call and mm-hmm. that Luke lied about it. And um, yeah, it was kind of a, an interesting heartfelt conversation between the two of them, <laughs> considering that they're still like newish friends you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because Rory was like why are you still here if you think this town is like weird and full of jerks which is why he was explaining like I was fighting Chuck Presby because he's a jerk and Rory was like yeah he is a jerk so she must have known him I don't know but then her like her single question about like why are you here gets just to open up in a vulnerable way that I don't know I just feel like the only explanation is like romance you know (laughs) like I feel like he's drawn to her they're both like captivated by each other and there's no like other logical answer of why would he willingly open up to her because he could have just said anything you know but he chooses to confide in her and it's it's sweet (laughs) yeah yeah I also have my Jess sass attack in this scene um he eventually asks Rory what she sees in Dean and like why they are together and what do they talk about which was like a perfect question I think we've asked that exact same question Mm -hmm. like exactly he's like do you have a teacher-student relationship going on like what does he contribute to your conversation that was exactly my sass attack Mm -hmm. moment when he said Mm. they've got a student-teacher thing going because We've also said that. I think I said that, like, when Dean was reading Anna Karenina and, like, all these suggestions from Rory, and it seemed like she was kind of a teacher for him. Um, yeah. And then Jess also says that, you know, he Dean just doesn't seem like her kind of guy. Um, Rory, of course, gets a little bit flustered and takes <laughs> offense to this, but you can tell that it's still, like... Even though he did bring up this potentially contentious subject, I don't know, it it wasn't, like, heavy. It didn't, like, she's mm-hmm. still enjoying his company enough that it's just kind of like a, I don't know, almost flirting in a way. Yeah, the other, like, 
important detail that comes up later is that when they go by all of the like snow people he knows exactly which one is hers without her telling him and he says like it kind of looks like bjork is that how you say <laughs> yeah, it bjork yeah Iceland. <laughs> and she's like superstar <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's what they were going for so like first of all he knows her well already somehow but um let's just say he makes note of the competition of their snowman snowwoman <laughs> sorry of the like overachiever one um and that might come up again later <laughs> yeah yeah perhaps <laughs> <laughs> so after the wonderful magical sleigh rides um we're at the actual dinner and we get another like kind of series of fun moments between different characters so Jackson comes up, he looks kind of like he's dressed in, like, a Henry VIII type of, like, costume shop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, kind of like deal. a Lord Farquaad wig. Yeah. <laughs> he has yeah. a lot of feathers on his hat for some reason. Definitely not the 19th century. I'll just remind not people. Not a squire. <laughs> yeah, the 19th century is, like, the Victorian period, the Edwardian period. Industrial Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> Not this, which is more like 16th century. <laughs> Maybe yeah. 17th century. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still great. There's trumpets and he announces dinner. Um, Luke and Jess, I thought, had a great moment of like picking out <laughs> some like, I don't know, sour cream or something from the food just mm-hmm. being just as like we should have eaten before we come and <laughs> luke goes Shh, but then yeah <laughs> yeah they're just like so so similar mm-hmm. mrs kim asked lane um like why isn't anyone praying and lane's like they're silently praying and mrs kim makes eye contact with babette and is like are you silently praying and babette like laughs but then she gets intimidated and then she just like pokes mori's and then they just start praying with them too yeah it's cute <laughs> this town has so many completely different characters it's fun mm-hmm. to see them together we also have kirk who is in character and he is committed to his character <laughs> although lorelei breaks him by talking about i love lucy shows and um i think she says like the ones in england are the best and Kirk must protest. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have my Rory's bookshelf moment when Paris um, brings up the discrepancies. I just like this because it's just like of all the discrepancies that we've noted, the material of the costumes is like the most trivial. Um, so I just liked that she brought this up and it's not necessarily a reference to anything but it also reminds me of all the um I've gotten really into like historical sewing YouTube recently so I've been learning about all these different historical sewing techniques and stuff so it just reminded me of that yeah yeah <laughs> but none of this is at all 19th century except maybe the like garlands along the hallway and stuff yeah i liked that she brought that up it was so paris (laughs) (laughs) and it went along with a lot of what i was thinking even though i was thinking about i think some of the 
deeper things than perhaps she was. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, not to say that, you know, clothing and fashion isn't deep, but it was, it's surface level, I guess. Technically it's on the surface, but no. Yeah. <laughs> Though it does say a lot about a society, you know, what they wear. Yeah, totally. The like kind of conclusion of this dinner scene is the culmination of the Richard storyline. He's been kind of captivating the entire table with this story about like Cher and Mozart and everyone is just hanging on like he's very charming and whatnot and Taylor makes a comment about how this is the most interesting conversation he's had with an insurance man which I'm just like Taylor who do you think you are you think you're the most interesting man in the world like whatever but uh Richard is like I agree insurance men are the worst that's why I'm so glad I'm retired and it's kind of like mic drop and Emily is just like what did you just say (laughs) completely caught off guard and immediately like angry Mm -hmm. just shocked etc and everyone is just kind of reeling from this information at least you know Rory and Lorelai are yeah what a way to reveal something like that I know like in front of people and (laughs) in like Mm -hmm. such a happy moment also Yeah, did he just get carried away or did he also think like, what if I just mention it when other people are around? Will Emily just kind of be like, oh, and accept it? But no, it's not that smooth. (laughs) I loved this little scene like before that moment because it really gave you an idea of like how they are in society other than with Lorelai and Rory and how they're like these big wigs in Hartford society invited to all this stuff Mm -hmm. like they are they work so well off of each other telling that story it's just like they probably told it multiple times (laughs) oh yeah that's a good point like a dynamic duo for sure yeah 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 I'm I can't I can't decide whether I think Richard just got carried away or or if he did do that strategically I don't know it seems like a lot of people had been having a lot of alcohol too Mm -hmm. like let's see (laughs) Bootsy had seven beers. I guess Jackson got carried away as well and like played the drums on his stomach. So (laughs) perhaps even if we didn't see it, perhaps Richard was like drinking a bit and let it slip. Or if he's been so like isolated as he said he was, perhaps he just was a bit like intoxicated by the social atmosphere and being Mm -hmm. the center again and like got carried away and like actually feeling happy again and just wanted to be like yeah you know it was the worst I'm so glad I'm free from it and just expressing how he felt in the moment forgetting about like who he has not shared this news with quite yet (laughs) yeah just the most important person (laughs) only the most important person that's all (laughs) yeah but we don't really get a conclusion to this yet um the next scene we're in we're up in one of the rooms where Lorelai and Rory are getting ready for bed and uh, Lorelai tells Rory to take the bed by the window so Rory pulls back the cover and there's the picture of the ugly baby what a prank (laughs) she just pranked her yeah yeah. (laughs) um then we finally get the information about Christopher so Rory just asks super innocently whether Lorelai's heard anything from Christopher recently and I mean just because you know they keep up and she hasn't heard anything from him like she's not Mm -hmm. fishing for information or anything but um Lorelai finally admits that he had called 
and that he wanted Rory to go and visit for a couple days. And <laughs> she like tries mm-hmm. to excuse herself, but I don't I don't know. I wasn't this would have been my Friday night dinner if I hadn't chosen something trivial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she's really worked up and defensive immediately even though as you said Rory was like not even trying to she didn't suspect anything and she's just kind of bringing it up naturally but I think Lorelai's been feeling guilty and worrying about it since then so when she finally admits to it she's really on like a hyper defense saying like I have dibs that stinks I hate that you'd be with like your stepmother instead of me I mean she's not the stepmom yet but implying like that's kind of her role and Rory's like I understand, but you're, you know, you're jealous. <laughs> and like, I don't know, once again, Rory is so beyond her years and like how I would have responded in this moment. Like Rory doesn't really let her off the hook necessarily. She starts to like make fun of her um, and says like, oh, you know, I'll call her mommy Sherry <laughs> and we can like, you can have Hanukkah if you convert all of the stuff. But um, like, it does end with Warwick calling her out for what it is. It's both mainly like jealousy, you know, and insecurity, possessiveness. And I think that's summed up in like one of Lorelai's last comments as Rory's like, well, I'm just going to think about if I want to go or not. And Lorelai's like, are you torturing me because you know it's killing me or because like, um, and Rory's like, no, I just don't know what I want to do. And it's what we've said again, like, it's she needs to decide if she wants to go or not and Lorelai's asking like are you keeping it your decision from me because you know it's killing me and it's like it's not really about you right now Lorelai yeah. and in the end it was just a couple days like Christopher said just a couple days like it's not all of winter break and it she really took it over the top here um yeah I get it. I understand. There's such a like a tight knit mother daughter, best friends, whatever. I understand mm-hmm. just like Rory did. But it's like got to let Rory be, you know, and have her relationship with him if she wants to. Yeah. And it's also like kind of I mean, it's obviously irrational or jealousy, but it's it's just like they have such a close relationship. Why would she possibly think that Sherry could usurp that? in two days um but I yeah I do see where she's coming from though again yes it is definitely an instance of Lorelai the world does not revolve around you sometimes things are actually just about Rory (laughs) that Max Medina line Mm -hmm. haunts me to this day (laughs) yeah he even though I can't bring it up right now I can't remember the actual line but I remember that it's haunting in this context I think it's like you need to think of somebody other than yourself for once in a day or something like that yeah (laughs) I mean he was he was right (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um but then this uh is not interrupted I guess the conversation is done but then Emily comes in with problems of her own (laughs) and she is so frustrated at Richard for not telling her like they haven't spoken since dinner. Um, she just can't stay in the same room with him. And so she, Lorelai, suggests that she stays with uh, them. And then we get this mm-hmm. great like scene of Emily in the bathroom doing her skincare routine and Lorelai at the vanity. 
and they're just like doing the exact same motion and Rory says like wow behold my future (laughs) I love that (laughs) yeah that was actually my Lorelai's closet moment um it's not like an outfit but I suppose part of like fashion is also like beauty Mm -hmm. and skincare and whatnot so I just loved that they are putting on their night creams they have the same routine the same motions uh Lorelai would like she like throws down her moisturizer (laughs) aghast when Rory points out and she like looks over her shoulder to see they're doing the same exact thing it's funny it's also great parallel to the whole like Lorelai thinks she's so different from her mother and her world but like here they are doing something so simple yet so similar it's a fun moment (laughs) I have a strange like scent association with this scene because my I just imagine Emily using Estee Lauder skincare (laughs) because that's what my grandma Mm -hmm. always used and like it just like you go to a department store and get Estee Lauder and it always looks fancy and it always has a very specific scent and so Mm -hmm. that's just like this scene just made me remember the scent of my grandma's vanity <laughs> um, with that all makes her total skincare. Sense. I yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I almost would have said she'd wear like La Mer, oh, you know. Yeah. But I like your reference. I could see her going to like a department store and being told to like use that or whatever. Maybe La Mer is more like what Logan would get for Rory yeah. akin to like a Birkin bag. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Like it's not the best, but it costs the most, and that's why people think it's the best. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder what Lorelai would be using. I feel like she'd do something kind of midline. Like she wouldn't be doing necessarily drugstore stuff. I think she'd be like doing the whole like making up her own. She'd be like putting avocado <laughs> on and like, oh, this is my face mask. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> the only time they get fruits from the stores for face masks <laughs> we do need to do someday uh, makeup skin routines for all the characters mm-hmm. skincare routines i'd love to do that <laughs> um back to the the scene at hand though mm-hmm. um lorelei i think mentioned something pretty astute here which is just that the job was killing richard like he is happier now i mean anybody could see it um but Emily like she also is in the right like she should have been told so yeah I think I think Lorelai did her best at diffusing the situation but (laughs) I also see where Emily's coming from yeah and Emily like gets up for a walk and leaves I think in part because of what Lorelai said like she has a lot to think about here obviously um and After she leaves, Lorelai has this comment that is my Rory's bookshelf. She says, like sands through the hourglass, so are the Gilmores of our lives. I love that line. So poetic, but clearly a reference to the um, Days of Our Lives intro, which is like an hourglass. And it says that line, except instead of Gilmores, it says days, obviously. And I quickly like Googled this because I was curious. Um. That show started in 1965, I think, unless I wrote it down differently. And I think it's still going. And it said it had over, it has over 14,000 episodes. Like, wow, that's incredible. That's wow. But um, 
beyond it being a fun reference, I think it also is, of course, implying that, like, the drama of the Gilmore's lives is at the level of, like, a soap opera sometimes. It's just so heightened. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone takes it so seriously, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was just a fun little reference there. Isn't that line from some, like, 19th century British poet also? Like Sam's well, three-hour class. Well, you'd be more inclined to know that, right, than me. <laughs> I'm not a 19th century. I just assumed it. Yeah, no, you're no. right. You're right. Sorry, that was you know my American lit assumption about Brit lit people. Like your survey covers so many more years than mine. That's true. It it just feels like some like a Lord Byron type of thing, but I don't know. I could just be making that up because it sounds poetic. You know, <laughs> that sounds right to me too. But who knows? Maybe it was just the scriptwriter for Days of Our Lives yeah. having a moment. Yeah, <laughs> and it worked out for him. Hopefully, they got royalties mm. on that. <laughs> <laughs> so after when Emily leaves, she runs into Richard downstairs. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who also um, seems to like he can't sleep, um, mm-hmm. and he. I thought I just love this scene. So he explains like how frustrated he's been at work um, with the kind of phasing him out stuff and that he went in and talked to Floyd, who I guess is the CEO. Um, And he just like started listing off all these things that he'd sacrificed for the company. And by the end of it, he just felt, he just heard himself resigning. Um, And then he walked out of there and he felt good about it. Like he was smiling and so he had made the right choice, even if it was in the heat of the moment. And this is mm-hmm. where, like, the next couple lines are my gazebo moment. When he apologizes to Emily. And, like, I just love it when characters, like, explain the other person's character to them. Like, he tells mm-hmm. Emily, like, he knows that she loves lists and having plans and he's not judging her for that. He he likes mm-hmm. that about her. Like, that's part of their relationship and how it works. But it also mm-hmm. made him feel bad for um, potentially ruining the plan that she had set for them. And, like, knowing that that would really disrupt her life and everything. And so that's why he just hadn't gone up the nerve to tell her yet. And I just love that. That it was just, like, such a, like, pure moment of, like, I know mm-hmm. you kind of and... Uh, He still appreciates that, and he was also thinking about it in the moment. Yeah. Oh, that was lovely. My gazebo moment is actually the second part of the apology following that. Yeah, I love how you said, like, he knows her character, and he values, like, those traits in her. And that's kind of where he goes in this next vein of, like, so I know you, and I want you to know, like, even though... I feel like I impulsively like unplanned our future now like he starts like he pulls up like a notebook and he's like I'm looking at our financial plans and meanwhile Emily is like looking at him and before this she'd been rather like stone-faced staring straight ahead as he's explaining but she had like started to kind of look over at him and now she's just like staring at him with this like expression that is almost indescribable Mm -hmm. it's like love and forgiveness like renewed trust there's a bit of sadness perhaps um and she like interrupts him and he's been you know trying to reassure her about like the security of their futures and how he's still going to take care of them and whatnot and she's like let's just go to bed 
and they like look at each other so lovingly like just years of love in their eyes you know and they go upstairs and it's like I think just the perfect resolution Mm -hmm. the true understanding they have for both for one another is so lovely and then I'm just so glad they're not fighting anymore (laughs) yeah and it's so romantic in the end too I love the representation of their love in its complexity and still youthfulness in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a show w- f- filled with relationships that don't work and mm-hmm. bad communication, <laughs> like this whole scene was just like such a good example of two partners like talking about how their decisions affect each other and all that stuff. Absolutely. It was great. They, yeah, I, I'm going to be very upset when we get to the part where they are separated for a little while. I know. But then they get to come back together. Yeah. You know, then it's even better. They do say, like, it's hard to write, like, happy couples, you mm-hmm. know, in shows because it so easily veers into boring. So I feel like that's why shows always are, like, breaking up characters all the time, even though I'm like, I swear I would be happy to just watch a happy couple, <laughs> like, work through life. I swear I would. It's true. <laughs> If we had just a Jackson and Suki show, that would be chaos, but it would be fun. <laughs> they very rarely have problems. Mm-hmm. Well, the following morning is the last scene of this episode. Lorelai makes a joke about her parents' sex life, which <laughs> so weird. is her choice, I suppose, because she's like, Emily, you never came back to the room last night. And Rory's just like, please stop. <laughs> That's just so strange. That's like the last thing I'd ever want to think about. Oh, great. That's so Lorelai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then everybody else starts taking off. But we get this one moment um, where Rory is saying goodbye to Dean. Or no, who she's saying goodbye to at the moment. I just Yeah, wrote, I don't know. Like, Rory is talking to someone. Is it Paris? And- I don't know. Yeah, or Lorelai, or just somebody else. Yeah. After she said goodbye to Dean, he's like over with his family. Yeah, I don't remember, but I just wrote down <laughs> um, that Jess is standing over with Luke and on the way out, and they have like this just exchange of glances, <laughs> very filled with meaning. And Rory starts to blush, and she like looks down and smiles. And then you just see Dean in the background seeing all this, making the connection. And his face just, like, darkens and he's glowering yes. there. <laughs> and it's it's a full, it's silent glance exchanges, but they carry a lot mm-hmm. of weight. <laughs> I know. So much of, like, there's so many more, glan- like, meaningful glances between Jess and Rory than I remembered. I remembered their conversations and they say so much, but they also say so much when they're not saying anything and they're like, having these looks like I don't remember having looks like that with anyone in high school like there's something going on you know their chemistry it's so romantic palpable (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. it's too bad she's you know dating Dean at the time yeah I wonder what's gonna happen with that (laughs) Mm -hmm. and on that note as Lorelai and Rory take their like sleigh ride home um they drive by all of the snow creations to see that like the most perfect one has been attacked and it's like no longer standing so it's been taken out of the running and they're both just like I wonder who could have done that and Rory's just smiling looking at it 
clearly knowing it was Jess yeah. who did that for her. You know? again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What a romantic gesture. <laughs> now I'm just picturing Jess doing that, though, because he would have had to like. Do you think he walked past Emily and Richard having the really heartfelt conversation <laughs> to sneak out of the inn to go like whack it with a baseball bat or something? I wonder if <laughs> like when did he do it? How? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I mean, mm-hmm. he's sneaky. I bet he could. Yeah, he it. is sneaky. <laughs> as the as the scene goes out though, I noticed that Bjork was playing. She's mm. such a recognizable voice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So did the episode live up to your memories as your favorite one, would you say? Yes, I think so. I love it. And it's nice. just mm-hmm. it's just so dorky. <laughs> I think yeah, that's it had so much yeah, to offer. That's part of why I love it. Like no, there's not a single single historical historically accurate moment. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like that was on purpose and it just made it charming. It's part of the charm. Yeah. <laughs> and we got so much All character right. development, so that was good um all right so that brings us to the end of our episode so as always i'd love to remind you or request really that you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we love reviews if you can take a minute they mean a lot and help us out um and if you want to keep along with us we're also on instagram and tiktok these days and we also have our email talkingfastpodcasts at gmail.com If you want to send us any kind of correspondence or gazebo moments, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. Until next time. Until (laughs) next time.